I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about how to be good stewards of our mind, body, and soul. So Jenna, I found out that knock-knock jokes are actually illegal in America. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So like they, because they originated when people actually going and knocking on doors. Okay. And so they didn't like that because in America, freedom rings. (laughs) Your face right now. I I so wish we had a video of that. It was like the blankest... (laughs) Dare I've like, ever received. What? I get it. I get it. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 48. <laughs> wondering where you were going with that. Oh, it's so stinking hot today. Um, <laughs> but we're just gonna do this. So, uh, do you want to share your peak pit and plug? So, my peak. Um, we had a doctor's appointment last week for our baby. Um, and two weeks before we had gotten a diagnosis of a two-vessel umbilical cord, which basically means that the baby only has two vessels instead of three. But we had another appointment that was very, very good, and the baby's very, very healthy and growing great. So that was my peak moment. Uh, my pit was that I stepped in poop this morning. <laughs> like, literally stepped in poop. Um, and then walked around my house. Oh, no. I had no idea. And I still have no idea where it came from, but I was able to clean it up. But I was sitting at the dining room table feeding Adelaide, and I was questioning why it smelled so bad. Mm. And it was me. But not, <laughs> I didn't poop. Anyways, that was my gotcha. pet. Gotcha. Probably yours? one of your... It was one of your cats? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Jerks. Um, and your plug. What's your plug? Oh, yeah, my plug. Uh, oh, shoot. I didn't even think of a plug. I was thinking just peek and pit. Mm, I'm watching Veronica Mars. Like, binge-watching it? I think I talked a little bit about that last week, but... It might have been your peak then, too. No, I don't think so. My plug was uh, the book I was reading. Or your plug, I mean, yeah. Veronica Mars is really good. <laughs> That's all. Nice. Um, I was almost like, my name's Matt. Um, my, I work at... I'm a youth minister. So, uh, my peak this week was in Orange County. We had the dedication of our new cathedral... And our band, uh, Valleys and Crowns, got to um, lead worship for both the teen and um, young adult events um, for uh, the Friday of the week of the dedication. And it was just really cool to see. I mean, probably over a thousand people came out for both events combined. Um, So it was just really cool to see the young community, the young church there. Um, and to just be able to worship together. So I really enjoyed that. Um, And it's a really cool space. Um... Pit is the heat. The heat can die. The heat can go die and, and die. Like unnaturally hot. Yeah. That's I mean, strange. I know it's way hotter in other parts of the world, but... We live in California. If you live there, then that's so your fault. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to say. We're not meant for it. Yeah. I'm not built for that. Humans this. are not made for that place that's above 75 degrees, wherever it is. <laughs> um, and then my plug is... I'm sure a lot of you, if, if you... Um, are familiar if you like are into Catholic podcasts, you've probably come across this before. But I was doing um, like one-on-one first communion preparation 
for a young adult who's going off to play like division one football for like a Ivy league school. And he just never got his first communion. And so we watched the Matthew Kelly epidemic video. Um, and it's, it's a story. It's, it, he tells a story in the preface of the book, rediscovering Catholicism. Um, and so you may have read it there or you may have seen this video, but if you have seen neither, it's just a really, really beautiful story that brings to life what Jesus did for us and the importance of the mass and the Eucharist. Um, so I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes, because if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go see it. But, um, I'd seen it many times, but I got to watch it again and just be reminded of, um, what a, a good analogy that is. So yeah, that's my PPP. Ooh. Triple P. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Triple P. So, uh, on this episode, episode 48, we are talking about how to be a good steward or um, just be healthy in general when it comes to your mind, your body, and your soul, and how those things are connected and integrated. And I want to start with um, a particular prayer that shows up a couple places in Scripture, um, but one of the oldest places where it appears is in Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Uh, and this became a prayer that was said multiple times a day, every single day, by everyone in the Jewish community. So this was a prayer that Jesus himself prayed every day. They would write this prayer on scrolls. They'd ha- put it in the little boxes on their phylacteries, like on their... Um, phylacteries. The, the rabbis would wear, those little boxes that would hang from their little like, curls or their, their vestments. Um ah. They would write it on scrolls and put it in their doorways, and they would like touch the doorway before they left to be reminded of this. But it's called the Shema, and it in English it is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so you've probably heard that many times before, um, and probably heard it so frequently because Jesus also quotes it in the Gospel of Mark and other places in the Gospels. But I want to read this particular rendition from Mark chapter 12. Um, And this is um, one of the scribes comes up to Jesus, um, or or he hears one of the scribes disputing with each other, um, and then one of them asks him, which commandment is the most important? Um, And so that, uh, this is the, the kind of the story of the greatest commandment. So Jesus tells him, the first is this, and he quotes this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so when he, when Jesus quotes it, he actually adds mind. And then he says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And we know that that summarizes like all the Ten Commandments, our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. But I like that Jesus um, adds mind here. And I don't know if it was because soul and spirit and mind in the Old Testament, the Jewish like line of thought, they were integrated. But I like that it's separated out because um, just this idea of having a healthy mind, body and soul and doing things to actively um, help and develop your spiritual, physical and mental health every single day. Because when these three things are ordered properly, then they inform that other piece, which is our strength, where it says, love the Lord with all your strength. And really what that is, is like our will, our free will. And so if I don't have a, if my free will is inhibited in some way, especially because I'm, I'm not exercising or I'm being slothful or I'm eating junk or I'm consuming like just really 
terrible media or I'm not challenging myself mentally, I'm not praying, like all those things are obviously going to affect my capacity to make good decisions and to have a good, healthy free will. And so that's why we're talking about these because it's so important to look at each one of these. So to know like what, what are they naturally ordered to and what are some of the common pitfalls that we have when it comes to all three of these and how important it is to see how they work together each day. Is it like a waterfall effect? Is there one that is greater? Do you know what I mean? Hmm, do I don't know. Do you think they're all just joined as one? Because the understanding of our soul is that it's present in every single part of our body. Yeah. And our mind is part of our body. It's part yeah. of our ability to reason, our consciousness. And it, that's rooted in the fact that we have a rational soul. So the, in reality, all three of these things are one thing. Mm-hmm. It's like our being, our sense of being. But because we can kind of separate out how we can um, strengthen them. strengthen one individual aspect, then you, you get that kind of differentiation of mind, body, and soul, you mm-hmm. know? But in reality, anything you do to strengthen your mind is going to strengthen your body because mm-hmm. you're going to be exercising your mind and that's going to um, affect like your neurotransmitters and how your body, your bodily health is somehow affected in that too because your mental health affects your bodily health and, you know, all of it is integrated. So I don't know if there's one... I mean, I would imagine the churchy answer is the soul, you know, but I don't, yeah. the, because of the understanding of what the soul is, it really is encompassing all three. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just one fat waterfall, <laughs> <laughs> one fat stream into one fat waterfall Cool. Okay. that later, later on down the line trickles into three streams <laughs> of mind, body, and soul that we can kind of pick apart and look okay. at. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Fat waterfall. <laughs> So which one should we start with? I'll let you pick. Uh, mind. Cool. Body. No, I'm just kidding. So mind. <laughs> cool. Love that. Yep. So um, in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus says in verses uh, 22 to 23, um, the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is sound, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be in darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great will the darkness be? And so the Jewish understanding was like anything that we see, like anything that we consume mentally in that way, anything that we observe, anything that we're watching, anything we let ourselves be exposed to, it's not just something that like, oh, like goes into our memory. Like it affects our entire body, our entire being. And so because we have a rational mind and a rational soul that separates us from all the rest of creation, uh, we really need to be good stewards of that. Um, But we can really easily, especially in our comfort culture and our instant gratification culture, we can really easily, I think, fall into pitfalls with our mind. Like, I don't know if you see any particular way that that happens. I mean, like Netflix binging. I mean, yeah, as Netflix is consuming um, pornography, there's, you know... Um, even, even the like environments you place yourself in where, I mean, if you're like, like, let's say you're sitting in a dark room versus sitting in nature, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like even those, those little things. Yeah. And I think, and we talked about, I think it was two episodes now cursing. I did an episode on cursing. Um, that if you surround yourself with people who are always using bad language, mm-hmm. you know, that's just going to affect your vocabulary. It's going to affect your mental capacity for language. And you're always going to default to 
that, the more you're exposed to it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so the mind is, is actually is a really great place to start because like our brain is where a lot of these dependencies that affect our body and our soul are housed because of how our brain works, um, and how neurotransmitters work and how a lot of substances that are out there or things that we consume, um, actually have a detrimental effect on the other two. So you probably know this because it's talked about all the time in science, but maybe you don't know that you can develop very easily a mental dependency on things, a chemical dependency on things because of the response that you get from it. So if you do something that's pleasurable, um, or that you get pleasure out of, um, and if you do it not within moderation, you can develop and kind of your brain depends on getting more stimuli of whatever chemical is releasing to help you feel that pleasure in that moment. And over time, it's going to need more and more and more and more of that chemical, usually dopamine um, or something like that, to help you feel like back to that state of like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is that pleasure that I got the first time that I did this or that I had this. And so it can be something as simple as food. Um, I mean, that has to do with the body as well. Um, But think about how all those things affect our body Um, and very how important it is at a young age to really be investing in good mental health. So when your brain develops, the most critical brain development time in a person's life is when they're from zero to two. Like Mm -hmm. most people, if you've ever had kids or been around kids, you know that. Like they learn a crazy amount of stuff within the first two years. Um, And then the second most is uh, puberty. And when you get to puberty, um, from that point forward, Uh, you're really starting to develop neural pathways and you're starting to strengthen ones that you're going to use for the rest of your life. And a little bit after puberty, but definitely once your brain fully matures when you're around 25, from that point forward, you're more, more often than not killing or your brain is killing neural pathways that you're not using anymore. Uh, and you're just only using the ones that you've become accustomed to. It's very hard to develop new ones later in life. So, for instance, it's really easy to learn a language, a second language, when you're young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why they have all these integrated schools. But if you try and learn German when you're 80, like, you're going to have a really, really hard time. Not because you're not smart or not because um, your brain isn't capable Um, but because you already have developed the neural pathways and neural behaviors in your brain that your brain has just become dependent in in terms of relying on like, this is how I operate. This is how I am stimulated. These are the skills that I have. This is what I know. And so a lot of people will go through life like, oh, I have these gifts and talents, not realizing like it could have been any gifts and talents that God allowed you to have in your life, but you developed certain neural pathways to gravitate towards some. And yeah, there's some natural ability for some things like genetics and things like that. But a lot of it too is is what you cultivate an interest in and how that is nurtured. Or if you just kind of let yourself fall out of practice, you know. And so if you learn a skill, um, you know, in the first 25 years of your life, odds are no matter how much later in life, you're going to have a much better sense of muscle memory. So if you're fluent in a language for the whole first 25 years in your li- of your life, even if it's a second language, you'll probably be fluent in it for the rest of your life, even if you don't practice it a whole lot. Same thing with an instrument, um, things like that, because you've developed that neural pathway already. Um, but because of that, we can develop really bad neural behaviors and neural patterns based on the food that we eat, the activity that we um, go about. Um, so for instance, like at the end of the day, if you're looking at a screen for an hour, 
your brain can really be accustomed to being stimulated at the end of every day and you will more easily develop something like insomnia or like you're not able to sleep at night, you're not able to mentally calm down because your brain is used to having that kind of mental spike because it does release small amounts of dopamine seeing certain colors or bright mm-hmm. screens, which is why everything in you know the world is bright and colorful, uh, especially advertising because they want you to notice it and they want it to release some kind of sense of pleasure. Um, fast food is all red and yellow because that's all the first two colors that the eye processes and it releases in us a sense of hunger, a a sense of desire because meat and like animal products in the natural world when we were hunters and gatherers are those colors. And so it releases this kind of instinctual mankind pleasure that like, oh, I want to go after that. But instead of it being like, you know, you're out for the hunt as a hunter gatherer, Mm -hmm. you're like pulling into in and out all of a sudden and you don't know why because you suddenly got hungry when you saw the sign. Um, So it's, it's amazing what our brain can do and cause us to do um, if we really keep it healthy uh, or if we do something detrimental and we start getting in a really negative pattern of behavior. And I think it, just like you said with, um, like fast food companies, it's really good to know that uh, media and t- cell phone companies specifically are like aware of how your brain is built and mm-hmm. what will release ple- pleasure in your brain. Um, because I know with a lot of even apps or um, just using your cell phone, they've programmed cell phones so that it makes you want to pick it up. Mm-hmm. constantly yeah. and be super duper attached to it. Because if you want, you weren't, then the cell phone companies wouldn't be producing as much and doing as well. Um, so knowing little things like that, that um, just kind of the, the companies and things that we take in and consume um, don't always have the best interest in mind for yeah. us. So I don't know. Yeah, like on... like. On an iPhone or most smartphones, like you can put like your cover photo and the background photo and you normally put something that has meaning to you and all of a sudden you're attaching very personal emotional meaning to an object. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you want to be reminded of the things that are important, but you don't realize that that's building a almost like a chemical sense of familiarity and dependence on this object. And then when you open the phone, you have the notification numbers and they're all red because that's the first color your eye sees. And so we've talked about on the podcast before doing the black and white challenge with your phone. So you're not as visually stimulated. Um, You can now get those blue light diffuser um, glass covers or you can actually put a setting like that on your phone um, to kind of filter out that light that really causes that stimulation to happen to make you more and more dependent on it. And then because it has access to so many things like social media, and consuming social media on a frequent basis is really just constantly putting ourselves in a sense of um, comparison and really feeling like we're missing out because we have access to everything that's going on. And so we build kind of like uh, a lesser and lesser attention span when it comes to being present to what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And so like um, Generation Z, the I generation, the teens that we minister to, um, they have on average a 8.25 second attention span because of their ability to consume a lot of information and their ability to use technology better than any generation before them. Keep in mind a goldfish has a nine second attention span. Less than a goldfish. Yes, less than a goldfish. And it's not anything negative about them in particular. Like it it can have different effects. Um, There is a positive ability to be able to consume that type of information um, or that much information, which they can, which is like really amazing. They can consume a lot of information in a really short period of time. But at the same time, they 
that develops a tendency to look toward the screen or toward social media or toward what's going on that I'm missing out, constantly feeling like, like I have to like, comment, have a life that's worthy of sharing that's likable and commentable, and it just creates this whole pattern of behavior. That's all because we're consuming something mentally or with our eyes that is not a healthy pattern of behavior for us. Mm -hmm. um, so this is obviously integrated with body, um, but I want to talk a little bit about how certain things that we consume within our body affect our brain. Um, and so I looked up, I'll, if I remember, I'll put this article um, in the show notes, the five most addictive, addictive substances on earth. And they were looking specifically at drugs, so they weren't looking at um, outside things like caffeine or sugar or anything like that. They were looking at, um, at drugs so um, and abuse substances. And the top five were nicotine, barbiturates or downers, cocaine, alcohol, and heroin was number one. So that was in reverse order. Um, and a lot of times when we talk about addictive behavior, when I see articles talking about addictive behavior, they compare uh, things to cocaine um, because cocaine affects the dopamine uh, release in your brain. Whereas heroin doesn't. Heroin's an analgesic. It like just, it numbs pain. It makes you feel numb, but it doesn't have as close of a link to the dopamine, the pleasure part of your brain. Um, and so that's why we, that's why at least I'm going to use cocaine as kind of a comparison. So what do these things do to your brain? Like what's similar to them? So, um, caffeine, tobacco, nicotine, Adderall, these kind of stimulant things, they block something in your brain called adenosine, which is um, a modulator that promotes sleep, it suppresses arousal, and it stimulates blood flow. So when you have a lot of caffeine or tobacco, if you're taking Adderall to stay awake so you can do you know, tests, like this is really big in high schools right now, um, or if you smoke cigarettes, what that is doing is it's doing the opposite of what that chemical that it's blocking would do. So instead of promoting sleep, it's inhibiting you from being able to sleep, which we know, like if you have a lot of caffeine, you won't yeah. be able to sleep. Um, instead of suppressing arousal, it's going to stimulate arousal. So you may not know this, that if you have a cup of coffee every day and you're trying to live a single chase life, you, like you're actually setting yourself up for a dependency on a chemical that's causing you to more likely find yourself in a state of arousal, more likely to fall into maybe a temptation of lust on a daily basis because mm -hmm. you're consuming caffeine. Nicotine has the same effect. Adderall has the same effect. Um, and so that's something to be aware of. Um, but when it comes to cocaine... Um, that sense of dopamine release, they've mapped this in, in a human brain. So they've looked at someone's brain when they're high on cocaine and like where the pleasure center is, how much dopamine is released and all of that. And they have many studies that have done this and they can compare it to other things. I think we've said on the podcast before, um, things like um, what, and Jenna mentioned this earlier, things that we consume that aren't good for us when it comes to pornography um, the chemical release in the brain, in the addictive center of the brain, especially when it's accompanied by masturbation, by self-pleasure, um, is twice as strong as cocaine is. So you build this dependency. You know, you wouldn't go up to most people and like assume that like, oh, would you, do you want to go do cocaine? Like for them to be like, oh yeah, totally. You know, like, but so many people are secretly ingrained in this habitual use of pornography or, and that is not just pornography. That's like any kind of lustful um, usury based, um, pleasure seeking relationship. So even if you're engaging in like, you know, dangerous sexual encounters or you're not in a committed relationship, like, and you build that habitual pattern of looking at that for pleasure, you're going to develop an addictive, um, chemical 
dependency on dopamine mm-hmm. and you're going to constantly need more and more and more of that and you're going to need to do wilder and wilder things um try and live out wilder and wilder fantasies and this is how ted bundy the serial killer became um you know became a serial killer he started looking at playboy and when that didn't do it he started try- looking at more hardcore forms of pornography and when that didn't do it he started trying to live out the fantasies that he had and when that didn't work uh, he started trying to force people to live out those fantasies with mm-hmm. him. And then when they would fight back, he would kill them, you know? So it just, it developed into this, this pattern of behavior. And it was, you know, I don't think Ted Bundy woke up when he went to look at porno- or, uh, Playboy for the first time, doing it under the intention of saying, I'm doing this so one day I'll become a serial killer. Right. It's, that's how strong the influence of your brain is. Um, but, um, and part of the reason we want to do this episode, or I want to do this episode, is because of my whole recent, you know, clean eating and um, sugar-free lifestyle. Um, and in some of the studies that I've read in one of the documentaries that I've recommended on my Instagram, there's um, a study that's quoted where it studied the effect of sugar mm-hmm. on the human brain. And that came back as um, eight times as strong as cocaine. Eight? Eight times. Up to eight times as strong as the dependency we have on cocaine, that's the effect sugar can have on your brain because it's in everything. And I'm going to do a separate episode on this because a lot of people have been asking me to uh, on how we can really be a good steward of our body, the natural way our body is meant to work and process food and give us energy um, in a way that causes us not to retain weight, but constantly be burning fat and constantly have the energy we need to like in hunter-gatherer times, go catch that wildebeest or whatever, you know, people needed to do. Um, But imagine that, like if, you know, any packaged food, even if it says zero grams sugar, like there are probably ingredients on there that are chemical sweeteners that affect your brain the same way, even though they're zero calorie. And you're you're building a dependency on processed things, sugary things, um, even things that say zero calorie, reduced fat, like no sugar. Like you really need to learn how to look at a label because all those are FDA loophole labels that they're allowed to put on yeah. when they don't have certain types or certain amounts of products in or sugar products in their food. But all of that is leading to this like chemical dependency on sugar to where in 1980, we had zero cases of adolescent diabetes. And today we have over 58,000 in the United States. Like and it's just because it's in everything and why people feel like they can't lose weight. They'll work out, they'll do these programs, but they can't seem to get past a certain wall. And it's all because our brain, our mind is so able to just like influence the pattern of behavior, so able to have these strong biological effects on what our body's capable of doing and not capable of doing. Even with artificial sweeteners, like we don't need to go down the this path, but really quick, it actually when you consume artificial sweeteners, yeah, there's zero grams of sugar, but you are going to crave more sugar mm-hmm. because of it, it's like faking your body out and making it think it's consuming this, but yeah. the chemicals within it make you crave more. So you're going to eat more, you're going to consume more, you're going to want more sugar yeah. in the long run, which is just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we, the more and more we become dependent on it, and the more and more we consume the simplest forms of that sugar, yeah, the more we're the the faster our body's going to be at absorbing it, and the quicker that crash and that crash and mm. like um, addictive behavior is going to be, to where like I had to, and I I wasn't, I mean, no, I was eating pretty bad, but <laughs> but I had to detox from sugar. And I wasn't massively overweight. Like, I was a little overweight, but I wasn't, like, massively obese or anything. Um, And there are a lot of people out there who really struggle with weight in that regard. And I think a lot of it is because of this. And 
in a lot of the research that I did, um, I came across the story of a guy who lived in Scotland who weighed over 600 pounds and his doctor put him on a no food fast. He took vitamins and supplements every day to make sure he got the nutrients he needed and he drank water and he did that for over a year and his body detoxed from sugar and learned how to process calories from fat, whether it was fat he was eating or fat he had on him and his body didn't know the difference. So it just burnt fat that he had stored every single day and his blood sugar wasn't getting spiked constantly to allow insulin to be released, which makes you retain calories. And so his body was working for him. His body was doing what his body was naturally designed to do. And so our mind, when it comes to our mind, what is our mind naturally designed to do? Well, as a young person, it's meant to develop, to develop these neural pathways that inform who we're going to be, the type of person we're going to be for the rest of our life, the type of habitual behaviors that we're going to have. Um, and it helps us determine what we're getting pleasure from in a healthy uh, form of moderation. And we have the ability to, I'll let people wonder what that sound was. Um, and I'll let people, or um, it allows people, I was still on the other train of thought. Totally throwing you off. Um, it, it creates an addictive behavior if we use it improperly. Um, and so we have to recognize like our brain, yes, is meant to give us pleasure and meant to have a pleasurable response to certain things, but it's clearly imbalanced in studies when um, certain behaviors start to take over the brain's capacity to function and start to um, inhibit our behavior or inform our behavior in a negative or an unhealthy way. That's when we're not using our brain in the natural way that it's meant to be used, our mind in the natural way that it's meant to be used. Um, and that is obviously intimately connected uh, with our body. Um, it says in Psalm 139, um, verses 13 to 14, You formed me in my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And yeah, we hear that and we're like, oh, that's super nice, God. Thanks for creating me that way. But do you live your life that way? Like, do you live your life like, no, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, so I'm not going to eat a dozen Krispy Kremes in five minutes. Like, I am a crown jewel of God's creation, so I'm going to treat myself that way, or I'm going to fill my body with junk. Yeah, and I think we um, fall into kind of what the world wants us or says that we should do is like, do whatever you want. Yeah, do what feels good. Do what feels good. Do all that. But it's not going to feel good mm-hmm. after you eat those 20 Krispy Kremes. You're, yep. It's going to feel good in a second. But like you said, you're not being a good steward of your body. And it's really hard to break from that mindset of I can do whatever I want. And yeah. I, that's where the mind comes in is breaking and setting that new, um, not trend, new habits in your in your mind. And... Um, really, really processing before you act what in thinking, okay, is this actually going to be good for me? Am I going to, um, feel good after this? Yeah. Genuinely, not for a second, not for just a moment, but will I regret eating those 20 Krispy Kreme? Yeah, exactly. Because I think for a lot of people, their mind is a victim of what they do to their body. Mm -hmm. So like your mind becomes just the chemical result of whatever you consume and whatever you do. Whereas it should be the opposite. We should be challenging ourselves mentally to be learning new skills, spending leisure time well, learning how to rest ourselves mentally, um, help our mental health be on, on top of itself. So that we can have the healthiest body possible and have the information that we need to live the healthiest life that we can to be good stewards of God's creation. You know, it's part of 
Catholic social teaching, the first aspect and the last aspect. The first aspect is having dignity for all human life. And your life is the one that you can control the most. And the last one is care for God's creation. You are part of God's creation. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not consuming things that allow us to have um, healthy mental faculties, a healthy body, and a healthy spiritual life, then we're really doing a disservice. We're not answering the call to Catholic stewardship, to Catholic service, uh, and to those Catholic um, elements of, of the seven elements of Catholic social teaching. Um, we're really failing in the area where we have, can have the most effect, which is in our own lives, making our own choices with our own bodies. It's a lot harder to do it for other people because their will, their past, their desires, their uh, discipline is involved. Whereas us, we have full control, or at least we want to be able to have full control. But right now you might not feel that you do because your mind has just been developing this habitual pattern of behavior and you feel like, well, I'm now a slave to my anxiety or my depression or um, my constant uh, tiredness, my constant uh, feeling like I'm crashing or I need to eat all the time. And you have the ability to um, overcome those things based on what you're consuming. Um, it says in scripture in First Corinthians, um, Am I looking in the right place? Yeah, 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own. For you have been purchased at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Is God glorified in your body, in the things that you do? Are you being a risk taker and, and doing unnecessary harm to your body? Or are you really trying to live a life that's healthy so that you can have a life that glorifies God, a body that glorifies God, uh, a pattern of behavior that other people look at and say like, wow, look at, look at that thing that that person did. You know, I've shared this journey with a lot of people and they've had that response like, wow, like that's amazing. Congratulations. And it's like, well, yeah, thank you. But like, I'm sharing this not for me. Like I already did it. Like I don't need a congratulations, you know, like I'm fine. I'm sharing this so other people know this so that they'll be inspired. It's the same reason we evangelize. Like I want to live my, my faith joyfully so that other people will know that it affects my life in a positive way and it's what their lives are meant to um, lead toward you know it's how they're meant to live and so all these things are so uh, connected and so like integral to our health um, and so looking at what you're eating how often you're eating it um, are you getting um, a reasonable amount of exercise, you know, I'm not telling you to go, you know, get a gym membership, but are you walking? Like, are you, if you have a sedentary job, are you getting up? Are you um, going for walks? Are you trying to be a little bit active to stay flexible and strong? Do you, do you feel like you have energy every day to get you through the day? Or are you constantly starving for your next meal or feeling groggy, having headaches because you're dependent on caffeine or sugar or whatever it is? Do you have a hard time sleeping a full eight hours and waking up feeling rested? A lot of that is, does not have to do with our busyness. It has to do with how much mental focus we're bringing to our work and getting how much we're able to get done based on how we have a consistent pattern of mental health and bodily health that gives us the focus we need to work when it's work time and then to get home and be able to easily kind of decompress from the day and not be dependent on a substance or pill to go to sleep. Um, that our, our mind knows how to not be stimulated and it's easier to shut down and sleep, deep sleep, through the night. So, I don't know, if any of that's resonating with you, I want you to really um, just pray about how you might look at your mental health and your bodily health.
a little bit better. Um, but lastly is, do you have anything you want to add to those two? Yeah, I was just thinking about how it's really hard for us to find people, even just in our daily lives, that really encompass these three things of being a steward of our body, of our mind, and our soul. Mm -hmm. And so this seems like such a hard reality to live and actually um, pursue because it doesn't feel like or seem like anybody's actually doing them well. Mm. And I just, I think that it's something that is attainable and something that we can do well, um, but it's difficult and it's hard. And when we do hear how to achieve it and how to do it, oftentimes our brain is the first one to tell us, no, it's too hard. No, yeah. don't do it. Um, and so having a plan, sticking to that plan, and knowing that denying yourself is good (laughs) and it's okay and even when your body tells you wait no please stop you're not supposed to do this Mm -hmm. your mind can reaffirm in you that no actually it's okay and it's good and my end goal is positive and will be good while it's uncomfortable now um i am pursuing good so i think that's that just as you were talking about all that it sounds really difficult to do especially if you're stuck in a very unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, it always feels like it's impossible to get out of those. Yeah. And to start something. And starting small is always the best way. If you, you set out a plan to do this massive lifestyle change, um, it, you're going to fail. Yeah. And I'm going to start it tomorrow. And I'm going to do it for 90 days. And it's going to be great. Then yeah. this, the first failure is going to feel like an insurmountable obstacle. Like you can't do it. Whereas ever. this needs to be balanced. You know, you just need to wake up every day. And ask yourself, what is one thing I'm going to do today to stimulate my mind? One thing I'm going to do today to have a better bodily health, bodily awareness, or do something good for my body. And one thing I'm going to do today for my spiritual life. And you just need to do those things. And you could probably do all of them in the span of 10, 15, 30 minutes in a day. You know, this could be on a break at work, going for a walk, um, having like handheld healthy foods that you can eat, uh, praying a rosary, and then, um, you know at some point in the day, taking a shorter break and, you know, I don't know, doing a crossword puzzle or reading a book or doing something that stimulates your mind, like reading an article, like every day do something that's good for your mind, good for your body and good for your soul, like one of each. Um, and recognize the the downfall that you will, um, that you will enter if you just dive really, really hard into only one of these. Um, so for instance, I'm like when I'm scrolling rarely on um, Facebook, I normally look at videos because um, I follow like a lot of stand up comedy things to help me with speaking. And I like watching like the, the movements and the delivery. But I'll always come across ads and I get so many ads of like, hey, y'all, it's uh, ripped gym, yeah. brand new here in Laguna de Gale. And it's some dude with like a six pack and like like zero, like negative 2% body fat <laughs> and like just talking all about the body, the body, the body, the body. And I look at that and I'm like, I just wonder, like I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I just wonder like, is this all that it is? You know, does this person like, you know, have any kind of intellectual stimulation? Is there any aspect of like, oh, my body's good and it came from God and a a spiritual aspect? Or is it all about like just having a good body? Mm -hmm. Because then if you're just running super hard into that, you know, avenue, but you're doing nothing for your mind and your soul, they're all integrated. And Mm -hmm. so eventually you're going to feel the detrimental effects of the other two. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your mind. If all you care about is being the smartest person in the room, 
Um, you're probably going to come across like a jerk most of the time. And uh, it's going to come across as inauthentic when you know all this information about you know, health and, um, what a good life looks like and about, you know, the world and philosophy and whatever, but you're not practicing any of it in your physical health or your own spiritual practices. And then if all you care about is your spiritual health and your spiritual life, and you're completely ignoring the rational mind that God gave you and the body God gave you, and you're being a terrible steward of it, then it comes across as inauthentic. And you can just become kind of like a holier-than-thou type person where you're just super consumed with just learning and knowing about the spiritual life, but not actually living it out. So recognize this needs to be balanced. Um, I saved soul for last because I think it's probably pretty obvious, you know, what we're going to say about it being a Catholic podcast. But recognizing that you need to have spiritual discipline and that these things are integrated with, with mind and body. Like you can't, you cannot be spiritually healthy where you need to be, where God wants you to be, if you are also not working actively at your mental health and your physical health on a regular basis. Uh, and in the third letter of John, in the greeting, John says, Beloved, I hope you are prospering in every respect and are in good health just as your soul is prospering. He recognizes, even just in his greeting, like this is, I'm, I'm hoping that this is your reality because this is how you're going to be a good follower of Christ. This is how you're going to feel good and be healthy and prosper in life is if these three things are working toward the same good. Um, and so doing things, obviously, that create spiritual discipline. Receive the Eucharist regularly. You need spiritual food. Just like if you don't have food in life, you'll die. If you don't get spiritual food regularly, your soul is going to be affected. Um, going to confession regularly. Um, not letting that laundry list of things pile up. Because um, otherwise, we can kind of develop an aversion to spiritual disciplines, and we just get out of the practice, and we almost like develop a spiritual allergy, hmm. like where it's like, oh, I can't do that because like I've, I've fallen out of the practice, or this isn't stimulating for me, or this is boring, this is you know not like it was before, and it's easy for us to fall out of the habit um, of doing those things, <clears throat> and um, taking a Sabbath. That it's so important to have leisure time, rest for your body, rest for your mind, rest for your soul. That's intentional, that's spent with people that you love, that's spent with the Lord. Uh, and that isn't focused on the to-do list and the tasks and and working constantly and, and being you know in the grind and trying to get ahead and be successful and Instagramming all your glory stories of your life. Like um, to really have an opportunity to rest. Because when we look at the natural order and the natural law of how things are, our mind is meant to develop those neural pathways, to be healthy, to be exercised, to inform our body. Our body is meant to consume good food that's natural, that's not chemical, that allows it to burn more energy and not store fat and store energy. Um, and we're meant to have a soul that knows where it came from and that's constantly seeking its home. Otherwise, we're going to feel spiritually lost, we're going to feel physically drowsy, and we're going to feel mentally drained or mentally dependent on something that we weren't built for. Um, and so we can look to the natural order of things. We can remove certain things from our life and just say like, okay, I want what naturally would happen to take place and just get used to that and recognize like, oh, my body has been designed by the God of the universe who designed all of these laws and, you know, electrons and things that like hold the fabric of existence and matter together. I think he probably knew what he was doing when he designed our bodies. We just have to learn how to stop messing up that natural process. Um, and so I really want to encourage you if you feel, um, 
like I said before, physically, mentally, but also spiritually. If you feel spiritually dry, spiritually burnt out, um, maybe it's linked to one of these other two. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you feel like I'm doing all the right things, but I'm just so drained. Well, maybe you're drained because you're just eating junk and you're, you don't have a good sleep schedule. And maybe you're drained because you're not spending time just for yourself to recharge and relax and, and have some mental health um, you know, cultivating that in yourself. Maybe you feel like I'm spiritual drinks. I have a lot of anxiety and that's so linked to the things that we eat and the chemicals that we consume. Um, you know, all of that, all of it is integrated. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And so does St. Thomas Aquinas. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about a saint we've talked about before, (laughs) but for this particular episode, we're using him. That we're going to use. Because <laughs> it's, it just fits. And so we're reusing St. Thomas Aquinas. So quick just, he, his feast day is January 28th. He's the patron saint of students in all universities. He was born in 1226 and then he died in 1274. Um, and he was canonized by Pope John the 22nd in 1323. Um, the reason why we wanted to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas was because of his study on natural law. And so Matt kind of talked a little bit about what that is already. But um, St. Thomas Aquinas stated that the light of reason is placed by nature and thus by God and every man to guide him in his acts. And so um, basically human beings um, are God's creatures and they use reason to live those their lives. And so that reason comes... Um, from being built within them and we are then guided by that Mm -hmm. and so he had four different laws that he um had focused on eternal law divine law natural law and then human law um eternal law is the perfect plan that god has for our lives divine law is um, the like eternal happiness that guides us through life and then natural law and human law is what we um, kind of create from our um, like directed good that we have within us. Gotcha. So natural law specifically for this, when we talk about this is what is built within us. And Matt already said how, um, when we look at our bodies and look what we were naturally built for, it's written within us that we were, are supposed to be ordered towards good, ordered towards, um, eating healthy, having healthy lives. Our body needs exercise to be healthy. Our mind needs to be stimulated to stay healthy. And our soul needs, um, intimate relationship with our Lord in order to stay healthy and good Mm -hmm. and to pursue good. And so all of this really just, um, St. Thomas Aquinas understood that we were constantly directed towards good and that our bodies were directed towards good, our minds, our souls, um, but that we naturally can fall into um, evil and things that um, are not good for us. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the gist of it. Um, But he said, grace perfects nature. It does not destroy it or set it aside was his kind of one of his cool quotes that I liked for this, because we need grace um, in order to perfect the nature that is within us and built within us and to kind of to form that good reason that um, we desperately need in order to pursue being healthy stewards of these three. Yeah. So grace in that sense, it doesn't contradict nature. It doesn't mean like earthly things are bad in essence and God is good, 
but that grace can perfect nature as nature was designed to be. Mm -hmm. But we can also turn to nature as our source of grace, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. grace or pleasure. And that's when we can allow them to contradict or allow ourselves to be less receptive to God's grace. And so in philosophy, you know, you look at something like to know, to know the purpose of something, you have to look at like, what is the essence of the thing? What is the goal? What is the 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 ness of the thing so like a pencil what is pencilness like what is the purpose of a pencil <laughs> it is to write and so like okay if if the purpose of a pencil is to write then for a pencil to be most ordered to its highest good uh, yes. which is to write it needs to be sharpened you know and so it's not something that you eat or that you throw away you know if you need to write something and so we can look at our bodies that way to have a very simple example mm-hmm. we can look at our bodies that way and say like okay what is the the order of my body? What is the order of my mind? What should my mind be focused on as someone who's trying to live out their faith or trying to live a healthy life or trying to be a virtuous, good person? What should my body be doing? If health is really my goal and I want to be here long term, what should I be doing? Um, what is that built for? Um, and so, um, as I said, if, if any of this resonated with you, if you feel like you need a little bit um, of, a, of a push, let this be the push to start looking at how you can do something every single day to benefit your mind, your body, and your soul. So um, please follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can go to our website, manafoodforthought.com, and support us for as little as a dollar a month on Patreon, and find all of our blogs and uh, links to all of our social media accounts. You can contact us there. Please rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. Um, And until next time, we'll see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.